Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Anne-Therese Ganari. Anne's a speaker, educator, and environmental activist. She's co-founded one of the world's first ethical modeling agencies, Role Models Management, and the online activist community, The Collective. Her podcast, Hey Change, aims to inspire listeners to embrace curiosity and positivity, as well as promoting ethical and sustainable ways of life. As a climate optimist and coach, she helps to lift the narrative around climate conversations so that we can act from courage and excitement and not from fear. And Therese, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. We've had a few really interesting conversations. I've only sort of known you for a short amount of time, but love everything you're doing. You've got an amazing story and so many, I, I think we're not going to fit it all into this episode. There's so many things that you have done and are doing, but uh, first of all, I just want to say, yeah, thank you again for coming and making the time to have this conversation. Nick is an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy to be here and know you for such a short amount of time. We keep saying like, okay, I get you. We're just like, we're the same kind of person. And I feel like we could talk for hours. So yeah, let's see what we can go through today. But um, I'm very excited to chat more with you. Definitely. And and yeah, definitely is. It's refreshing to meet people who see the world through a similar lens. So um, that's been been really enjoyable to be be able to relate on those things. so before we get into it, are you able to give our listeners just a bit of a background on yourself and sort of where you've come from and basically how you ended up uh, where you are now? Yeah, isn't that always the question? <laughs> you look back in hindsight. You're Maybe like, an abbreviation. What, yeah, yeah. What led me here? Um, well, so I, I'm born and raised in Sweden. I grew up there. Um, I apparently had this drive to move to New York City since I was little. My mom told me when I was eight years old, I walked into the kitchen and I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to move to New York and work with marketing. And she goes, okay, <laughs> you do that. Um, but I did, you know, she told me then on my graduation day, when I just received the letter of acceptance to go to take my master's, um, get my master's in New York city in marketing. She was like, okay, you have been saying this for years. So of course this is going to happen. Um, but the reason I chose the, po- the path of marketing is actually because I've had this innate desire or passion or whatever you want to call it since I was very young to work for the planet. I um, became pretty aware about environmental destruction and inequality and climate change at an early age and started to grow a lot of frustration around that, especially because growing up in a country like Sweden where people assume that things are okay or it's, it's, you're not exposed to the disaster on a daily basis, if we put it that way. Um, and so me trying to spark action and, and, you know, raise awareness when I was younger, which was right long before Greta Thunberg was around, <laughs> um, no one really wanted to listen. It was like, okay, I, I get it. Like climate change is real, yada, yada. Um, but I felt like no one was really getting it the way I was. Um, and from that, from the inability to, 
engage people or feel like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I had zero power and in my impact on the world besides, you know, doing my, my share fair of recycling and all the things I was trying to do, riding my bike to school, uh, I felt like I had no power to make an impact. And so I was really trying to decide, you know, what can I do? How can I choose a path career-wise um, that I could potentially at some point in my life have an impact? And so I chose marketing because I thought to myself, well, if you can learn how to kind of trick people into buying stuff they don't need, how, you know, obviously you can use the same things and, and tools and skill sets to also empower positive action. So that was kind of why I chose marketing. But at the same time, to be completely honest with you, Nick, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, okay, this is one path that might lead me to something else. And so I, I studied marketing in Sweden and had the, the ability to go to New York City to do an internship at a marketing firm. And so I jumped on that opportunity, fell in love with New York, because who doesn't, and uh, decided I had to go back. So I've been just figuring things out ever since. I started you know, going to my master's program at City College of New York in marketing at the same time i was really trying to figure out okay it's one thing to learn about marketing in school but like what's my voice what's my platform how can i make a difference and at the time people started to randomly ask me on the street if i was modeling which is just something that apparently happens in new york if you're tall and blonde or whatever like i was i, I guess i just fit the uh, fit the bill of what a model would look like and at first I was like, no, I'm not. And then I started asking myself like, well, maybe this is a sign from the universe, like a little nudge here. So I told myself, okay, let's see what can happen if you choose to become a model, because this was just when Instagram started to really take off and all these Victoria's Secret models had millions of followers and got so many likes. And I was thinking to myself, here's a person who has so much impact and so much influence and a huge platform. And yet they're not using these platforms for anything with a positive impact. And I was like, well, there's a lot of wasted capital here, uh, human capital, and also space of, of, you know, raising awareness and making an impact. So the reason I actually decided to model was because I wanted to gain that platform. Um, and I was pretty old at the time. You can, you can say this because you're a model yourself. I was 24, so it's pretty late to start, you know, jumping or diving into this industry. But um, for some weird reason, I did get signed by an agency um, and started modeling in New York City as I was going to school and learned pretty quickly that the industry was nothing like what I expected it to be or that I thought it would be. And the, my agents, although I told them, you know, I, I want to work with companies like, you know, that are working for sustainability and vegan companies and all these things. They're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But nothing happened from that. Like they didn't understand what it meant to align me with my you know, with companies with similar values that I thought would happen if I just spoke up and shared my thoughts and views. Um, and so having modeled for a while, I didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to be doing. And so I quit that too. <laughs> and I quit school. And I said, okay, you're on a mission, girl, you need to figure this out, because you're going to get kicked out if you don't figure out your visa situation, and you need to make money. And it's so like, what can you do? Long story short, I shared my idea of an ethical modeling agency with a few people got connected with my now business partner. We started role models management early 2017 and I've been running the agency ever since. Um, and so I'm still in this mission of like, okay, what does it mean to, to empower models, to empower, empower people, to, to really help people understand that we all have a platform to speak up from um, and that we all play a role in, in shifting culture and co-creating a better world and speaking our values and doing whatever we can to show up for the positive change. 
Um, and that's pivoted me into more what I'm actually doing today with my climate optimist work um, and that I hope to be doing more of moving forward. That was a very long rounded answer, but I guess the short version of my story. Thank you for sharing it. And that, I mean, even in that short version, there's like probably about five hours of different conversations we could have just based on that. Like I, there's so many things that you could dive into and I love all the, and, and also like, so I can see even in the path I've gone on, there's so many parallels. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause like I sort of fell into the modeling at a young age and was on reality television shows and then acting. And I always looked at it as, okay, this can, you know, how can I leverage this to, um, use that platform to help in mental health because like you're saying you know it's a really powerful thing and it can be used in either a good way or a bad way or just indifferently but if you are in that position or you you can build that kind of platform it's a really powerful thing where uh if we can spread that message like you're saying like what you're doing with uh with role models it's amazing like i think it's so such an incredible um business that you've created there because that is what we need to educate people in, you know, in this day and age of influences and, um, you know, there's information flying everywhere. How can we influence more people to use that for a positive, for a positive cause, which, you know, I think is such an amazing thing. So it's, yeah, so great what you're doing. And um, I think people can often find it. I, I know I found in my life, people have always been like, hang on, you're an actor. And then you're also a mental health advocate. And they're like, these are two polar opposite things, but I think they actually can, work so coherently together as well so but it's, it's yeah. so interesting though that people we love to categorize it's like why are there exactly, polar opposites? exactly. you know it's like because you're an actor that just means that you know how to read a script and act out on stage or you know in front of a camera it has nothing to do with your personality or who you are as a person right um exactly. but you're so right like we're we get so categorized and i think that's something that i've had to deal with my whole life because and, and I think everyone who's listening feels the same, you know, like people have expectations from us and we choose a path and then people and ourselves, we have expectations on ourselves. So like, well, I went to school for this. And of course now this is what I am, but it doesn't mean yeah. that you have to have to be moving forward. And also you can be many things at the same time. And I think it's important that we allow ourselves to, to go there and ask those questions and not put ourselves in boxes that will prohibit us um, to actually give to the world and to ourselves. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. No, I think it's a really important topic. And like you're saying, you know, we can be multiple different things, but also within that, even if we are multiple things, that none of those things are defining us. We're still, you know, at the core, it's like, if you remove all of those things, we still should feel like, you know, we're enough of a person and we're sort of taught in society the opposite of let's define ourselves by what we achieve or what we do or someone asks, you know, who are you or what are you all about? And it's about achievements or this or that, which it's not going to fulfill you or be sustainable so it's this weird weird mix but like you're saying you know people always said to me oh if you want to do acting you can't start a business and if you're going to do a business you have to only do that and not do anything else I was like well no that's not going to work for me and the act the acting only worked because I started a business so that could support me and give me that so it's like again anyway it's a whole nother you know this we could probably do a podcast just on this topic but um uh that you know it's yeah it's an important thing (laughs) Yeah, please do. No, no, do. Came to me because when I go to gatherings and I was just in New York City and went to a bunch of events during New York Climate Climate Week, which was, you know, interesting because it's kind of the first time since COVID that happened. But, you know, mingling with all these people and, you know, they're all like really cool and doing these awesome things. And you don't want to be the person that's like, okay, what do you do? 
because you want to connect with someone in a different way. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm really curious to learn. What are you doing? Like, you know, yeah. like tell me what you do so we can like, you know, you know, cross over or do something together, or I just want to learn from you. So I, I do you know a good question. Like, what should you ask someone who you just met um, that you want to connect further with, but you don't want to be, you know, as, I don't know, like title based. It's just like, you know, what's your title? What do you do? But like, what is a good question for that? Do you have any thoughts on it? it it's probably something I need to think about as well, but I think it would, I think a lot of it's like about, you know, like, like in that instance, you're, I think people can tell by the tone of, you know, how you're asking something. So it's like what you're at this climate thing and you're passionate about it and you're asking, you know, they can see you're probably asking in the sense of, I want to learn, you know, whereas I, and in New York, I mean, I've been here for barely a year, so you, you know more than me, but I've met people where you can feel this energy when it is those environments where people are asking these questions about, okay, let's, you know, compare who's making more money or who's this or who's that or status or blah. Like, it's just this energy in it. So, I don't know, probably something I need to think about myself as well. What What's a good question for it? But I think it it, it is that thing where in our gut, we can always feel when it is that environment where um, the conversation's being driven by let's compare and um, compete and all that kind of thing. Well, I think you actually answered my question because I think the energy part is really what it's about. You know, you can say anything. You can use any words, but it's all about the energy and how you make someone feel. Um, so thank you. That was that was it. Absolutely. Oh, there we go. Well, thank you. <laughs> good, good. So, yeah, I mean, you talked about, yeah, climate change awareness and you've been interested in that for a long time. You're doing a lot in that area. How, how important is awareness for this? And I guess it's like probably similar, I look at it to mental health where I've been interested and involved in this for, you know, 12 plus years and it was talked about, but not that much. And now it's getting talked about a lot more, similar with climate change. But how, how far do we have to go? And, you know, how important is it that this awareness gets pushed as far and wide as possible? I would say it could be one of the most important things today. Um, I speak and teach a lot on this. Um, I talk about how to grow emotional resilience. How do we deal with climate news? Because I feel like a big part in why we're not more aware is because the information out there is just too hard to deal with. And we haven't been you know, taught how to deal with information that is that heavy and that hard to, to comprehend. And so I think you know, you're coming from mental health space, from a mental health perspective, we just don't wanna know what's going on. And there are so many reasons mm. for this, but I think growing awareness, we need to know what is going on. Um, only there's some study that shows only one in four Americans hear someone they know talk about climate change on a monthly basis. So considering it's the biggest crisis we've ever faced and we'll be facing for decades to come, how do we not hear people talk about it more often? And it's because of many reasons, but I think if you want to help um, anything in the climate movement, you can start by just having conversations. We need to normalize these conversations. We have to understand you do not have to be a climate expert or a scientist or work in the field to have a say in this. It's okay to ask questions and not have answers. Uh, I think that's something too. We have to just dismantle this whole idea that, you know, if you bring something up, you need to either have a, an answer for it or a solution or else don't complain about it. It's like, no, it's okay mm. to be afraid about climate change. It's okay to be freaking out about what's going to happen in the future and to not know what the answer is. And I think landing in that, like, okay, this, this is painful. This hurts. This is really scary. And it's okay for it to be that way. You know, like 
I think we always want to find the solution, the short answer to like, okay, tell me something to make me optimistic. I mean, I'm a common optimist. That's what people know me as. And I get this question often, like, okay, wh- like, why should we be optimistic? Tell me why I should be hopeful. And I can give you a lot of reasons to that. But I think we need to start with telling ourselves it's okay to not know if this is going to work out or not, because we don't know. And that's, that's the reality of it. Um, but I would say to your question, raising awareness about climate change and the fact that it's very real. I mean, we just got the new IPCC report, which is uh, the um, uh, International Panel on Climate Change that came out and it said for the first time ever, there is no doubt, no room for doubt at all that climate change is real and it's caused by humans. So we know this now, like the science is real. Everyone is behind this. So, you know, we need to just continue raising awareness, but there are ways to talk about climate change where it's not putting us in a state of denial and fear and inaction and depression, which is an easy route to go into if, when you start to learn about it, where um, finding ways to talk about climate change, we're like, okay, you know, we need to understand this is real, but at the same time, here are all the things we can do today to make sure that we do everything we can to figure this out. Yeah. And, and, you know, relating it to sort of mental health, I guess it's the same sort of thing where there's awareness, but then a lot of people don't really want to, talk about the nuts and bolts of it or you know peel back those layers because as you were saying you know it's it's painful and it's it can be scary and you know but then you've got to confront reality so we're sort of society likes to sort of acknowledge things but then put a band-aid on it rather than really let's let's actually go and look at this for what it actually is because only until we do that you know until we do that we can't go and actually make the long-term change necessary so we sort of need to so uh, you know i love what you're saying with that and also, this took me many years to figure out because I started out being what I call an angry activist. That was, you know, in my teen and t- teenage years when no one else cared and, and my frustration grew and I felt like, you know, we need to do something. Come on. Like, I just learned this about the fashion industry and I just learned that about this about the food industry. And, you know, I thought by just raising awareness and telling people what I knew, they would feel the same. I'm like, okay, like, like of course we have to get to action, but there's so many reasons why people can't care they don't have the capacity or the mental capacity or the space or the ability to do all these things that you might feel like it's really urgent um and so i went from the angry activist to having this awakening of like okay this is not working you have to change your approach let's be a climate optimist and then it took me as many years to figure out what being a climate optimist means and for the longest time i thought well you know there are, there's a lot of bad news out there if i can just ignore them to some extent and focus on the good news and like, what are all the good news or like things that are happening that I can actually pay attention to and spread awareness about? Uh, like, just stay there. Just, you know, pay attention to the, the optimistic things and be positive and spread that light. Um, the only thing is that you can do that on a conscious level, but the majority of the information that we consume is actually subconscious. And so although you're not paying attention um, consciously, your body is. And so you are, mm-hmm. no, you do know that things are not great. You do know that things are getting you know, increasingly urgent. And you do know that not enough people are taking action. So how do you deal with knowing that, but not like not choosing to actually take that on or like take that in. And what I've learned is that your body will just store that inside um, where it grows into all things like anxiety and depression. And I've had days when I completely just lost it and I would be crying for no reason and stressed out. And I was just like a Jojo back and forth and back and forth. And it took me many years of landing in this one understanding. And that is that awareness hurts and that's okay. And I'll say that one more time, awareness hurts and that's okay. Back to my point earlier, knowing it, it's gonna be painful. 
But at the same time, if we open up the gates to awareness, we can also see all the beautiful things and a lot of love and joy and happiness is going to come from being in a state of awareness, but there's also going to be fear and pain and, and, you know, and anxiety and, and, and sadness. And so I think landing in that space of like, okay, it's okay to not always feel amazing, right? It's okay to have days where like, whoa, I do not know how we're going to figure out climate change. But the more you land in that awareness and coming to the understanding that this is okay to feel this way, and start sharing that with other people, you will realize you're not alone in feeling this way. In fact, there's so many other people who feel this way who are actually out there doing whatever they can to work on the opposite. So how can you join the positive movement? How can you actually become a daily activist and start working towards the changes that you wish to see in the world? I call it being an optimist in action. Uh, we'll get into it more later, but just to hone in on this point, it's okay to not always feel amazing. And I think I would love to hear your points on this too, coming from a mental health health space where like, you know, denial and denial and ignoring the issue, it's not going to help you get there. Oh, no, like, and I love what you're saying there. And I would think of it exactly the same in the mental health sort of perspective of, um, you know, it's sort of false economy because if you're like, I'm going to deny things and ignore it. And, and this is what happens with mental health. You know, normally what um, unfortunately happens is is people will not make a change until the the pain of not changing outweighs the pain of changing so you're sort of hitting rock bottom and you you know you're you're in agony before you change which is not a good thing uh but even by not changing and sort of telling yourself i'm going to ignore things and block everything that's going to come with its own pain and discomfort you're you know you're not going to probably acknowledge it but it will it'll be there and like what you're saying it's actually worse because you're living in that sort of middle ground of denial but uh and bottling things up and you know that's not not a pleasant thing so i think it's it, we need and and you know we're not taught about this stuff from um i think you know and this is one of the things i want to talk to you about as well you know how do we make longer term change and i love you know how you're a lot of what you're doing is looking at how can i educate people on an individual level to become a leader in their own community and i, I really believe that's so important in such a powerful way because if it starts with the individual and if every individual can start having that mindset of I want to educate myself. I'm not going to wait for change to happen. I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it. I'm going to do it. And if we can all do that and then empower others, that's what I talk about so much in mental health. That's how we start to make a longer term change. And then you start looking at, well, you know, how do we then start getting taught this in schooling and in, in companies and in university, etc. So I think that's one of the questions I was going to, you know, ask you with is that, is that your view with climate change that we need to really look at it from that standpoint of how do we empower individuals to become their own leaders in, you know, in doing this? Yes. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> nailed it. Um, there's this quote that I love so much and truly understand these days. Right now, I don't remember who said it, so I'm going to have to come back and you put it in the show notes. But yeah. um, the quote goes, leaders don't create more followers, they create more leaders. And yeah. it resonates with me so much because that's really what you're out to do. As a leader, you want people to learn and be empowered and then become their own leaders in their own life, in their own communities, to the people around them. And when you become a leader, it doesn't mean that you have to go on stage and tell people what to do. That's not what a leader is for me. It's like you, you, get, you gain agency of your own life and you feel like, okay, I can't impact everything. I don't, you know, I can't control everything, but I can control my own world. I can become a leader in my world. And I am very aware of the fact that if we are to have a chance of figuring out climate change, 
we need to have leaders, the big leaders, like in governments and companies and corporations on board and make the bold actions. We need them to do that rapidly. Um, I'm seeing that shifting, which is good. And we have COP26 coming up in November in, in Glasgow. This is all great. Um, but, you know, we really need to put pressure on our actual leaders uh, with a title leader to do whatever they're supposed to do to make sure we stay under 1.5% Celsius um, increase in, in uh, climate. But back to my point of like being a leader for yourself, I always say this, you know, yes, your individual actions are not going to change the world alone. They will add up alongside everyone else's individual actions. And we have to remember what an incredible power we have in our, in our purchasing power, you know, how we vote with our dollars um, and how we vote at the election, uh, elections, but also um, how we, again, hold our local officials accountable. Um, but just the small things of like shifting culture, we tend to forget how we are actually the system. We keep saying we need system change. Well, we are the system. Um, how you walk out and how you show up in public, if you go to the store, if you go to the coffee shop, if you're just taking the bus, like you're all contributing to the system. And you might be the one weird person doing something differently at the beginning, but you are always planting seeds. So if you let's, for let's, um, let's say, bring your own coffee cup to the, um, to the coffee shop and say, hey, can I please have my own? <laughs> I did this for Nick the other week. So he's like nodding right now. I was gonna, no, I was gonna say just quickly, but before you finish that, that, that impacted me because I was, I consciously went and said, hey, can I have a an actual cup? Whereas normally I might not have even thought about that. So there you go. Yeah, and it's like, we forget that, you know, sometimes it's just literally about making the ask, right? Like I go to Sweet Green, which is a salad bar in New York City, and they have compostable um, bowls, but they're like, their lids are made of plastic. It might be compostable plastic, but you know, I don't really believe in the whole system. So I try to not use anything disposable if I don't have to. and. I go there and I say, okay, um, I don't need a lid. I might even walk home a few blocks with my salad, but even so, like I can, it can survive a few blocks in New York city air without a lid on it. Like I, I believe in that. Um, so like, you know, consciously just speaking up and sometimes they will almost, you know, throw on a lid regardless because they're so used to it. Like it's just a system. So you have to be like, please don't give me a lid, like be really clear on it. But they're like, oh yeah, we're trying to reduce plastic waste. Awesome. So they're usually on board with it. Um, and right now I am the weird person who's having to speak up and say these things. But like you said, it can all ripple effect. Now you're more aware of like, oh, actually, maybe next time I go out and have a coffee, I should just ask them if they have an actual cup that I can drink from since I'm sitting there. Um, and totally. someone who's working at the restaurant is like, okay, now we have so many people here asking for no lid. Maybe we should change the system, right? So we do have power in what we do. But if anything, besides all this, that we're changing culture and shifting norms and, and voting with our dollars, I always say, do it for yourself, because at the end of the day, you're going to be this one person in the huge world and you feel like you have nothing to, you know, no power to make an impact. Um, and you have two choices. Either you show up for the change or you don't. And I'll tell you this much, showing up for the change is going to make you feel much better than not doing it. The inaction part, actually, climate anxiety is rising. And so I think that's really, you know, important to acknowledge. It's, it's sad, so, so bad. Um, but one of the biggest reasons for climate anxiety is the feeling that we can't do anything about it. And the fastest way yeah. to get out of anxiety is to do anything. So I always say, do it for yourself. Do it to feel better. Do it to feel more empowered. Do it to become a leader in your own life. And also the things you do on a daily basis become your habits and the habits um, define who you are as a person. And so 
suddenly you will see yourself as this eco superhero who like i am the person who brings my coffee cup i am the person who's going to bring my own bag to my store with to the store i am the person who's going to you know say no to fast fashion and go shop vintage like you become that person and you start feeling really good being that person and then the better you feel you have a lot more optimism flowing in your body and then you're going to be a lot more influential to the people around you because guess what people want to be with people who are optimistic and fun and cool and so if you feel better the people around you will also want to feel as cool as you are and they will also start making the change so you have so much impact and so much power to change the world and you have to come back to saying what can i do today there's so many things in that that i i love so much um but like on and on that simplistic level of and, and this is what I say in mental health as well. I'm like, go and do these things on a selfish level first. You know, do what's going to make, well, it's not selfish, but look at it even, even if you think it is. Do what's going to make you feel good. Do it because it makes empowers you and makes you feel good because that then is putting something positive out into the world. It's going to influence other people. And if we all have that viewpoint, then it does start to have that, that ripple effect. But I also, you know, habits, I think I talk about that so much and, I think it's so important that we're aware of that because we can have the best intentions in the world and be aware of something. But if we don't actually do something on a daily basis, the change won't happen. And, you know, you might do it occasionally, but it's still, it's not enough. But, you know, once you make something into a habit, it becomes, you don't think about it and it doesn't take long. They say like a month, you know, 21 to 30 days to make a new habit of doing it regularly. Once you've done it, then you almost feel anxiety if you don't do it. So it becomes so ingrained. So it's like, it's so important. People are aware of that. It's not actually that hard once you make these habits. They become, you know, their second nature after that. And that's also why you have to start small and add something on every, you know, like don't do it all at once. My husband Get overwhelmed otherwise, yeah. Yeah, he's like, aren't you tired of always having to find every, the most sustainable way of doing things? And I'm like, no, it's more tiring to not do it. Like it actually pains me to having to use plastic. Um, and I'm not saying this to like shame on anyone because I know plastic is everywhere. And so I do use plastic too. Like it's pretty impossible to avoid. Um, but I'm just saying like, I'm so used to, it's just so part of my daily habits now to go for the bulk options if I can find it to, you know, be more thrifty in how I shop my food or whatever I do to, to try to eliminate my waste. And so, yeah, completely like it becomes who you are. It's just part of your identity. And so it's not hard. It's hard at the beginning because you do something new. But just keep doing it and add on small things. You know, don't do it all at once. Don't overwhelm yourself. Um, but also feel good about it. And you said something really important that I really want to hone in on. It's, you know, we we can't heal the world unless we heal ourselves first. And yes. we are the world. Yeah. We are, oh, someone, um, I just interviewed on my podcast, Rally, um, um, Sally Rani for, uh, from Global Choices. And she said, we are nature waking up to itself. And I thought it was so beautiful. And I think coming back to that reminder of like, it's not, it is complex. It's super complicated, but at the same time, it's so simple, right? Like we are yeah. nature. And I think the biggest act of change we can do is actually slowing down and do less and just be more here oh, for it. Absolutely. And, you know, so many of the things you're saying, I, I love it. And it's sort of what we talked about when we when we met as well, the the parallels between sort of what you're talking about and what I'm talking about and there's so many you know crossovers but i think that's such an important point as well life is like incredibly complicated but it can also be incredibly simple mental health and well-being are real issues in the construction industry men in construction are twice as likely to take their own life compared to the ones who work in other industries and that's just not good enough with john holland's help we want to make a change we've joined together to have honest conversations about mental health 
life and stories of people who have overcome challenges. When we hear about stories and struggles that sound a bit like ours, we can learn from each other and remember that we're not alone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're living in, you know, the most chaotic time in human history now with, you know, information flying everywhere um, there's all these crazy things happening in the world. We've got so much access to everything. If you're not, if you don't make a conscious effort yourself to take control of it, you will become overwhelmed and it will affect you. And it's not going to change. It's, if anything, that's, there's probably going to become more noise in the world. So you've, people now have to take the initiative to be like, okay, well, I'm going to have to discipline myself about what media I look at, you know, what, when I do certain things, when I work, when I don't work, you know, what routines I keep. All of those sort of things. Otherwise, you're just going to... And, you know, I've fallen victim to that. It's happened to me in New York when I was trying to find my feet here and I didn't set um, strong enough boundaries and I got overwhelmed because it's, you know, it's a chaotic city and you've got stuff everywhere and you, you have to be so strong in that. So it's, yeah, it's such an important point, what you're saying. I just love all the all, all these things that you talk about. I think, like we said, we could probably... This could go for, you know, five hours. There's so many different things we could discuss in it. Um, but on that topic... Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was with, um, you know, how, how do people decipher what is good and bad information when it comes to climate change because of, you know, how much information is now out there? How do you work out what's credible, what's real? You know, how do I sort of find the right stuff? I saw this question in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, how do I answer this? Um, it's a, yeah, it's a complicated thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it's a valid question to ask, and I don't know if I have the right answer. I would say the first answer I will give is checking with your gut, you know? Um, there is so much information flying around out there, and as we slow down more and set more boundaries and create more space, it's going to be easier to tune in and feel what feels right or not. Um, when it comes to climate change, it can be hard to know what feels right because it's all so new and unpredictable. We don't really know. But I would say there's a lot of really credible organizations out there, like obviously the UN. Um, they have they're on all the social media, so follow the UN on social media. I can tell you their information is correct. Um, if there's a climate scientist, trust me, they do not make money <laughs> creating this doom and gloom. So if they're saying something and they're pretty cautious yeah. what they're saying because they get chased down for whatever they're saying from companies and people who don't believe in them. So if they're putting something up publicly, I think the climate scientists are right. Um, and then there are you know, organizations like Sierra Club and, and, um, and Greenpeace and all these organizations that have been around for such a long time. And they're not trying to just raise propaganda to push you know, any polit polit political um, agenda or incentive. They literally just want to raise awareness. Um, and there are so many good social media accounts too. Uh, Future Earth is a really good one. Um, uh, Earthrise Studio is another one I really like. I try to really vet whatever I'm sharing too. But then I think we have to remember that sometimes there is misinformation and we're human beings and it is such a rapid you know, uh, 
pace right now on social media where like something is shared and people feel like I need to reshare this. Otherwise, I'm not part of the conversation. And that's pretty dangerous sometimes because how easy is it to spread something that isn't true, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we could all agree that misinformation is one of the most dangerous things that we are dealing with right now because we need to know what's going on so we can act correctly on that. Um, but I would say anything, you know, real news outlet like The Guardian or New York Times or, you know, a credible news source that really fact check whatever they're they're um, sharing on their social media or social media and the media um, platforms. And also to really, you know, speak to the fact that it's amazing that these big news outlets actually are talking about climate change. There was a time where they didn't, right? So yeah, climate awareness is out there, which is amazing. Um, and I think tuning into yourself and like, does this feel okay? Like if you see someone, an influencer you follow share something, you're like, that seems weird. Or like, this is a really, also opinions, I would say, um, be a little bit aware because news is one thing, uh, science and facts is also one thing. But when people have very strong opinions and tell you what you should think or what you should do, I would always just check in and say, okay, but does this really resonate with me? You know, like maybe there's something else behind this that I haven't checked you know, or don't know about, or, you know, why is this person doing this? You know, like maybe their, their, their story isn't shared the right way. Um, you know, maybe there's actually something good coming from this and we shouldn't be so quick on just judging everyone. I feel another thing I yeah. need to just mention real quick is eco shaming, you know, like we are so fast on judging and pointing fingers and someone's trying to do the right thing. And then we get after that person and say like, well, you're not doing enough or that's not right. And it's like, it's exhausting. Right. Um, so I yeah. think being more acceptive of what people are trying to do and to cheer on improvements and people are trying to do better but of course at the same time hold people accountable and make sure there isn't just a ton of greenwashing um and but you know cancer culture is a real thing so to be aware of that but to answer your question anything credible like the un greenpeace sierra club um and then of course um any big new media outlet like the new york times the guardian um forbes like anything that you know they have fact check whatever they're putting out there yeah, no, lot, lot, so so much in that answer, and I think that that gives a lot of really good information around that. And and going back as well to what you said earlier, I think is um, just so important to reiterate. I love what you were saying about how you know being a leader is about how we influence um, the other, you know, how we empower other people, not about how many people we can just you know t spread a message to or tell what to do. And I think it's you know in this world where it is influences and about how can I just get more people following me or whatever it is. Um, moving sort of away from that, and if you have a big following, great, but if you're trying to build a following just for the sake of building a following, it's unlikely that's going to sustain in the future anyway. Like you sort of, I think if you do things really, it's like building a house. If you do it, you know, build a solid foundation and do it for the right reason, it's going to last the test of time. So it's sort of going back to do things, you know, properly, incredibly and um, for the right reason. And then you'll, you'll have more longevity and, you know, getting that out there anyway. I think it's a really important thing. Yeah, and the biggest impact we do have is actually, you know, to the people we already know in a close circle. And the biggest shifts yeah. happen in our homes, in our hearts. So if you want to have a real impact and make a positive change in terms of climate change um, and, 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 and the direction we're heading into, start talking about it at home. You don't have to create a massive social media following to have an impact. You'll have a yeah. much bigger impact just talking to the people that already know you. Yeah, I love that. I think it's it's so important, you know, every, everyone can make a change. So. I've got another big question for you here. Um, you've probably seen this one as well. Um, what what are some of the implications on on the planet if we if we don't start to make these changes? You know, what are a few things that 
you know, it's leading to. Okay, so just to make it clear, I'm not a scientist or an expert. <laughs> I'm just a nerd who have been, you know, wanting to know this for a long time. Well, the scary thing is that we don't really know exactly what's going to happen, right? Like we are racing towards what's called tipping points. And that's um, a threshold in um, the state of the climate or the ecosystem where once we pass that thres threshold, there's no going back. So for example, all the our Greenland's um, ice is melting that's a threshold. And once the ice is gone, I just learned to like the obvious, you, you, we can't grow more ice, right? We, we can grow more trees, but we can't grow more ice. And so once the ice is gone, it's gone. And the sea level rises from that is going to be, you know, unbelievable. Like major cities, the, the most of the world's biggest cities that are coastal cities will be underwater. So just think about that. Um, now I'm not going to get the wow. numbers straight, but I think in 2030, we're looking at a billion, actually don't quote me the numbers here, but the refugee crisis, and I, I wish I had the numbers up, but the refugee crisis is gonna be exponentially worse because as the climate changes um, and big parts of the earth are right now inhabited by millions of people will be inhabitable in a near future, like mid-century um, because of heat. So even if you just step out for 10 minutes, you can actually die from it. So once areas of the world get that hot, they're going to have to migrate. Then it's not going to be, first of all, you can't live there. Secondly, there's no food or water because it's so dry. Mm. And so just think about all these people having to get up and go, you know, where are they going to go? And so if you think, if, if you think the, um, the migration crisis is, the immigration crisis is bad today, it's going to get exponentially worse with climate change. Uh, and then there are small things, just the fact that the winters are getting warmer. So um, bugs and insects that usually don't survive the winters are now surviving the winters and they're killing fauna um, um, and, and trees and, you know, interrupting the ecosystems and the, you know, the desertification from the fact that we are killing the soil at a rapid speed, which means that it can't take up water, it can't grow as much food, which also, you know, pushes people to having to migrate to different parts of the world. Um, a lot of the worst we're seeing are actually a cause of climate change because people had to migrate and, and, you know, end up in cities where they don't belong and they have no home and don't, they've been farmers their whole life. So what are they going to, like, I'm talking about Syria now, for example, um, yeah. where a lot of farmers had to move. And I'm trying to think about like there's so many things obviously like we have to know we should know that 90% of global warming has been absorbed by the oceans so we always we keep measuring temperature rise in the atmosphere which is accurate to know about but the temperature rise in the oceans is so much worse uh, and as we're sh shifting the climate in the ocean is getting more acidified uh, we're killed about I think 50% of all marine life um, and so with less marine life, there's less oxygen being created in the oceans. Uh, we're overfishing in the oceans too. So all this disruption in the oceans changed the, the current in the ocean, which, you know, directly affects the weather above water. Um, and so all these intensified storms that we are experiencing right now is directly caused by climate change because w warmer oceans create more intense, um, actually affects the jet streams. So the jet streams used to be like, kind of solid waves is going across the globe like this. And now if you're not watching a video, you don't know what I'm saying, but like there were like just waves going across the globe. Um, and now they're becoming like so interrupted, like sometimes it's stall and they just keep circulating. So for example, we have much heavier rainfall. Um, we can have storms that just keep stalling for days, although they usually just pass for like a day or so, or even weeks sometimes. All the flooding we have, have had this summer 
um, all the drought, the fact that Texas had freezing weather last winter, these are all causes of climate change. And I hate to say this, but I have to because we talked about awareness early on. We yeah. have to be prepared that things will get worse because this is the scariest part of all of it. Even if we were to stop climate change tomorrow, if we, by some magical means, tomorrow stopped you know, emitting any more greenhouse gases and just like, okay, this is it. We're going to start, you know, reversing climate change. Already, we have emitted enough greenhouse gases where we're going to continue to see a rise in climate um, in, in temperature for the next decades. So that, that tipping point is already reached. You know, there's no going back from that, which means that even if we are taking the right steps, we are taking the right action, we are actually heading in the right direction in terms of what we can do we will not see those results right away. It will seem and appear as for a decade or so that things are getting worse because they will be getting worse. But we have to know that so that we can remember that although we're not seeing the results, we have to keep doing whatever we can to reverse this because we can reverse it, which is, I think the most important thing we need to know is like there are scientific proof that we can do this. We have the technology, we have everything we need to know. We just have to find the willpower and the courage to do it. So with that yeah. said, the future, if we don't figure out climate change, is unbelievable beyond imagination. Like, we don't even know what kind of, you know, catastrophe we'll have upon us in just a few decades. That's terrifying. At the same time, things will get worse. We, we can't control that. We already reached that point where, like, we have, you know, there's no going back from that. At the same time, too, there is so much we can do and we can't figure this out. And the game is not over. It's game on. So... We yeah. have to just remember that as we continue to take action. Yeah, no, <clears throat> thank you for explaining that. And I, you know, I, I think it goes back to what you were talking about at, at the beginning, where it's about being, you know, finding that middle ground where let's be optimistic about it and look at, okay, you know, where we're at right now, we can't change. And yeah, it's scary to acknowledge it. And it's pretty, you know, pretty crazy to really think about, isn't it? But let's acknowledge that. And even if it is scary, let's realize what we're dealing with and then be positive about, you know, what we can do to make a change in this moving forward, because that's all we can really control. We can't control, you know, what's already happened, uh, but we can, you know, make a change now and improve things for the future. So let's be optimistic about that and, and really do everything we can to, to, you know, make that a reality. Yeah. And this is something I want anyone who's listening <clears throat> to ask themselves every morning, you know, like what other options do we have? right? Like, do we not want to figure this out? Like, I do you want to bring yeah. a child into this world? No, like we, that's why I'm optimistic. It's like, yes, things are not looking great. But also, I have no other choice than to do everything I can every single day and be as optimistic and as empowered and as action driven as I possibly can to make a better world happen. And so that's what I yeah. keep coming back to is like, I'm actually very optimistic is we have nothing to lose, only incredible things to win. So what other driver do you need really in my opinion i love that no i love that point and again that's a, a thing that i think what any part of life it's like looking at um is dwelling on things sitting there worrying about things sitting there you know theorizing about what may or may not happen is any of you know that going to actually change anything and the answer is no you know we can sit there and be in our head and you know in mental health it's something that you know such a big thing with anxiety and you know but it's not, it's, if you use logic, well, that's not going to change anything. But I actually, what are the things I can change? And we're, you know, we're living in such uncertainty in all aspects of life now since COVID and, you know, 
nothing certain in life anyway or not a lot of things. So it's like always going back to, okay, well, what are the, the logical things that I can actually do? Let's focus on that and, you know, not, not spend too much time sitting there dwelling on the things I can't control because it's not going to help anything. It's not going to help the outcome. It's not going to help you. You know, if you just look at it on for yourself, you're not going to feel good if you sit there and, you know, it's going to have a negative impact. So why don't I do what's going to empower me, make me feel better and put something good out into the world? And here's, here's my reality. Most of my anxiety or stress or unhappiness really has stemmed from me having to make a choice and not knowing what the right choice is. So I'm such an indecisive person. So like for me to have no choice, but to do whatever I can, I think that just brings me so much peace of mind. It's like, there's no option here. It's just about me today doing whatever I can, right? Like that's all there is to it. Well, it's another thing we share in common. I, I, I love it when the things are black and white and it's like that because that's like choice is a hard and you know i'm i'm i was talking to you last week i'm looking for an apartment at the moment and even that it's like well i could where 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 do i get how do i decide which one what's right what's wrong it's like your mind can go crazy and it's like it is it's nice to sometimes not have to make a choice it's like well you know what this is the path i'm going down because there is no alternative here like you said it just makes it so much more clear and simple and and focused and um, and that can be, you know, um, I, I guess moving on to asking you about, you know, you talked quite a bit about this and the mental health implications of, um, with climate change as well. Um, you know, how, how big of a, an issue is that? Cause I know even when we're talking about, you know, choice, we live in a world now where, um, a lot of us are fortunate enough to have access to so many things and so many decisions we can make every day that that brings about mental health issues because it's like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, even if I make a good choice, there's probably a better one or that person's doing better than me. I need to do that as well, but I also need to do this. And what about this? And what about this? And then you go crazy. So choice can be, you know, a scary thing, but um, yeah, what we, 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 you've talked about climate anxiety before, you know, how, how that's becoming a bigger issue you were saying. Yes. Um, again, I should really have a sheet with all the numbers that I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not good in details, but the numbers are, you know, rapidly racing um, towards the wrong direction. Um, especially amongst kids, um, youth, like teenagers, kids, um, you know, seeing very young ages, people are just afraid of what's going to happen and they're unsure of the future. And like, if you're a teenager and you, you don't have to just worry about like picking the right career but like am I going to have a future to live in like that's a pretty scary thing to having have to deal with um so yes unfortunately climate anxiety is on the rise and I think it's really important that we start talking about this a lot more um to tie that into what you just said about choice though because I feel like there was so much to be said about that um yep, yep. and there there are ways to for in my opinion to deal with climate anxiety I kind of touched upon them earlier. One is to land in the fact that awareness hurts and that's okay. Um, then start talking about it to people or even journaling. I think journaling is so helpful and powerful. I actually have some free journaling guides on this on my website. So if anyone wants to head over to theclimateoptimist.com and find those there, uh, please do. I, I, I've healed so much of myself from just journaling and being with myself and finding that space. Um, but then also like I said, doing something um, and doing it in community with others because we are not alone in this. You are not alone. You might feel that way if you live in a place where no one else around you cares, but all you have to do today is go on social media or find something online or you know, even just do a little research and there might be a grassroots movement in your community that you can join 
and start seeing people in real life too. Um, but in terms of choice, I like to think of climate action as a road trip, and this journey that we have here to face as a road trip. Because here's the thing, we don't know every single choice we have to make to get to the future that we desire. We don't know everything that will help us figure out climate change. I actually heard you know, um, the head of a really big company last week on Climate Week say this, in order for us to reach our goal, we need to rely on innovation that we haven't seen yet. So you know, that just speaks to a lot of things. Like we don't know yet how to figure everything out. We know how to get started, which is amazing. And so just like a road trip, like, okay, I know where I'm going. I have a destination. Never been there before, so I have no idea what it looks like, but I have an idea what it could look like. But then you have just, you know, hit the road and, you know, take it day by day and use the GPS. And if something, you know, there's a roadblock or something doesn't work out, you have to reroute yourself. You'll figure it out. If you have to pee and eat something, you stop and fuel up. Like all of these things you do, you do. like you, you don't know every single step, every single rest stop you're going to take or every motel you will stay at or whatever you're doing in a road trip. Like you know all these details to figure it out. And so we have to start addressing this the same way. And also what I always say, which is the most important thing about a road trip is that you have fun right now. You don't wait until you get to the destination to have fun. If you take a flight yeah. somewhere, there's all this, you know, stress and having to check in and all these things. So taking a flight and then once you're there the next day, well, then finally you can rest and relax. If you take a road, trip, it's a whole different game. You hit the road, you put some music on, you have some snacks in the bag and you have friends in the car, you have fun, right? Like the whole journey is where the fun happens. And so we need to start thinking of this the same way because for us to figure out climate change, it's going to take decades. This is like our lifetime to do this work. And so we need to live now. We need to see this as a really amazing time to be alive. There's a lot of opportunities and climate change brings a lot of opportunity for growth, for us to rethink the system, to do things even better, to co-create an even better world. It's not about, you know, just avoiding disaster. It's actually about how can we make something amazing from this? Um, and then again, don't do this on your, on your, on your own, like carpool with people, drive an electric car and carpool, you know? So if you're tired, ask someone else to drive the car. Not every single day will you wake up and be like, I'm going to change the world today because we have our days, right? We're tired, but know that on the days that you can't do it, someone else is doing it for you because we're in this together. We're, we're going on this journey together and we will have fun and we will, you know, make mistakes. We will run out of gas. We can fuel up again and keep going. Um, but we keep, we need to keep that mindset with us of like, okay, one step at a time. What do we know today that we can act on? How can we get this car moving? And then as we drive down the road, we'll find out another solution. We learn something new. We meet some new people and then suddenly boom, a new idea sparks to life and we do something else. So like, we can't wait for the day we know everything to get started. We need to start right now, but we need to trust that we will figure it out. I love it. And that, that applies for everything in life. You know, we, we, you know, it's not waiting for the destination to be, um, to give us, you know, validation or permission to be happy and enjoy things. It's about having, having this purpose and value system, but then like, <clears throat> like you said, and like you talked about, um, at the beginning as well, you were saying, you know, you very early on knew you wanted to make change in, in climate change. You wanted to be part of awareness and, you know, do things in that area, but you didn't know exactly how or how it unfold. And, you know, then you went and, which I think is really smart going and studying marketing and looking at those areas, because then you can apply that to that, to, to get that message out there more broadly, but you didn't know how all the dots will connect. And, um, and we never, and every stage we get to, we, we still don't know exactly how they're going to connect, but it doesn't really matter. I think if you have goals where it's about, 
it has to specifically be this, whatever it is in your head, that's setting yourself up for failure. So it's instead of it having to be this tangible thing, make it more about what is, let's look at what my value and purpose is. What 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 do I want to have as my purpose? And I, I did this to myself a long time ago and thought, I just want to make change in mental health. And I don't know how that's going to unfold. I don't know whether that's going to be through doing a talk or going and, you know, doing a podcast or doing, you know, some other completely random thing I can't even think up yet. But if I just wake up every day and have that one goal and try and even do one thing that, you know, put that, that progresses me on that journey, uh, and even if it only helps one person, that's still moving the needle forward. So, and we can apply that to anything in life. So much of what, you know, you're talking about today can be applied to people for whatever they're doing in life, which I think is so important, but, you know, bring it back to how do I actually enjoy this process and, and make sure that I'm checking in with that. And it sort of reminds me of this um, John Lennon quote where he said, um, life, I think it's life only makes sense backwards, but it must be lived forwards, which I think is so important. So important. Yeah. And like, I, I completely understand that not everyone's listening right now cares about climate change the way I do, you know. I'm a different species. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I also, what you just said, like this applies to everything in life. And really for me, I want to help people help the world. But the first step is helping people because I've gone through some crazy journeys on my, you know, myself and, and learned so many things and I'm still learning and I have no idea what the dots will add up to moving forward. But at the end of the day, you know, how can I help someone do something better for, for climate? And you don't have to care or want to care about climate change or anything well that's not right i think what people will start to realize no matter who you are what you care for what your passion is you care about climate change because yeah. whatever you do you're going to get affected by climate change so we all care about the future right um and so i think coming back to you know be the best version of yourself that you can be be the leader that you want to be um and implement awareness to climate change in your everyday life you don't have to set aside time to do this um i think it's just becoming more aware of like this is real um it's gonna affect me it's already affecting the world at large um and how can i be part of the new world that's actually taking form right now and back to this wonderful you know sense of creation right like we're undergoing a transformation right now and things look scary from you know from inside this this craziness, but the, the the best metaphor I know is a you know a caterpillar becoming a butterfly in the cocoon. It's dark and messy, and we have no idea what's going on. But like, who do like, we don't know what's going to come from this. We don't know the kind of world we're going to see on the other side of this. And the, the coolest thing is that we all, everyone who's alive today, get to play a part in co-creating this new world. So I think it's a mm. really awesome time to be alive. Um, but that's just why I'm a climate optimist. But yeah, back to what you said applies to everything and we have to come back to ourselves and say who do i want to be what do i care for and how can i become a leader in my own life for myself and for others and for the world yep exactly and you know if you like you're saying if you do that work on yourself and you try and become the best version of yourself regardless of whatever you're interested in if you bring it back to climate change like you're saying when you are the best version of yourself and being honest with yourself you're going to care about it how can you not, you know? So it's like, if we just work on ourselves, we're going to all byproduct of that, hopefully contribute or start talking about, you know, these issues that need to be dealt with. So it's, I think it's a really good point. Um, you, you've sort of talked about this a little bit um, in this chat, but 
are there are there some daily um and in in general to do with climate change and just or your you just your well-being as well do you have daily things you do you know a big part of this podcast is interviewing people that have had success in different areas and been on interesting journeys like yourself and you know looking at well what 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 are some things they do to you know keep to improve their mindset and you know look after their well-being and and that kind of thing so for our listeners are there certain things you do daily that really help you Yes, I'm very much a person who stick to my routines. <laughs> and if I don't, I, I lose myself. Um, well, I would Same say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm a morning bird to start. Um, so my, I love getting up early, like 4.45, 5 o'clock. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah I, I love being up before anyone else. So I, I spend the first hour writing because for me, I've always been writing and it's just part of my creativity that I want to keep alive um, doesn't mean I had to do anything with my writing. I am writing a newsletter these days that goes out weekly, but just writing because it helps me stay, you know, connected with myself and I, I do my best writing in the morning. So that's the first thing I do um, with some coffee. And then I go for my walk. I go for walks every morning. Um, I do it because I need to move my body. I'm someone who's like, if I sit still for too long and we, we're getting closer, Nick, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, but like sitting still for a long time, I, yeah. I hate traveling for that reason. Um, drives me crazy. So for me to stay in my flow, to stay creative, to stay, you know, um, productive, I need to move. So I go for walks probably three times a day at least. Um, that's why I also love living in a city like New York, because no matter what you do, you're going somewhere, you're walking somewhere. So it just really yeah. fits into my daily routines. Um, but there are day, times when I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I can fit in a walk right now, but I, I push myself and it always makes me feel better. Um, and I'm a Swede and we have a saying in Sweden, which is there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. So even if it's <laughs> raining out, you just need an umbrella or a raincoat and you'll be fine. And even on the most dreadful days, you will feel better having some fresh air. Um, sometimes it's hard even if you live in a city but just trying to get outside and, and get some clarity um so the things that i do it's movement and and some some sort of you know connection with nature if i can as much as i can um and i just started doing yoga which i've been wanting to do for almost 10 years and it's already changed my life um significantly and i try to meditate but it's from you know it comes and goes for me being on those walks is meditative for me but I also try, and this is something that I've been really trying to practice better for the past few years, which is being more just present in all moments of my life and to have more fun. Honestly, I am such an overachiever and I'm really hard on myself. And, you know, I am someone who just needs to be busy to be busy. And, you know, in all of this though, like, why are we doing it if we're not having fun? So trying to find joy in all the moments, you know, anything you do can be fun if you find some sort of angle to make it fun. So bringing more joy to my day and being more just present and noticing all the things all the time um, is what I do to keep myself optimistic and sane. And um, I guess I'll just plug real quick too, because a question I get asked a lot being a climate optimist is, you know, optimism isn't real. And, you know, what does it mean to be an optimist for you? And I always say choosing optimism is not enough. You can't just say that you want to be an optimist because then you, you, rely, you rely on the world to prove you that, you know, you have your reasons for being optimistic. And there are many times when the world will fail you, especially in climate change and all the news are just bad news, right? So how do you stay optimistic in that? But being an optimist, in my opinion, is about creating optimism. You have to be an optimist in action. So the only way to truly be an optimist is to choose to be that change 
and create your own optimism and to fuel your own optimism from within. Um, and so that's what I also do. You know, what can I do today? Even if it's just one small thing that is, you know, bringing the future that I want to see closer um, and making me feel like I'm having a positive impact on the world. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of those. I think there's so many good ones in there. And, and, and when it comes to, you know, you were talking about being just more aware moment to moment, I think that's a really good point because mindfulness and meditation and all these things are talked about and they've sort of gone in so many different directions and it can almost be overwhelming. But at the core, all of that stuff really is designed to just do one simple thing and train your mind to be able to just be present and focused on one thing at a time. So if you can be aware of that on a day-to-day basis, then just try and bring yourself back into that. That is really the core of what it's trying to do. And I love what you're saying about movement as well. That's where even the name Move Your Mind uh, came from, just because I think it's just, it, it's insane the, the, the how, how much of a benefit, you know, we're meant to be moving. Our bodies are meant to move. And, uh, and same thing for me, I can be, getting in my head, sitting there, you know, working and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of can't get clarity. And then you just literally get up and walk for five minutes or do something, you know, change your environment, get moving and your mind opens up and you're thinking creatively again, you solve the issue. And it's just so important, such a simple thing for us to do, but uh, we often, you know, forget to do these simple things because we get caught up in whatever it is we're doing. So it's really just having that awareness, which I love, I love everything you said there. So um, one, one thing I just yeah. want to plug because it made me think of this, and this is a challenge for everyone who's listening. Um, yeah. Something that we all need to do, which we tend to dread, but I think it's actually a wonderful opportunity to practice this is when we do our dishes. I happen to yeah. love doing dishes because it forces me to do nothing else and for my brain to just come back to myself. And you can do this without having to pay attention to how you're doing your dishes, right? Like it's just about scrubbing yeah. the dish and using water or whatever. And it's, it's a great opportunity to create that little space of awareness in your day. And so next time you're doing dishes, although you happen to be someone who hates doing dishes, I challenge you to move your mind to a place where you actually enjoy doing dishes. And so it's a practice. um, But I think it's something that we can practice daily because we do dishes daily, hopefully. um, And you'll get better at actually bringing that awareness to your everyday life. So yeah, I would say that. I think it's a great point because, you know, what, and that's the thing I talk about so much, like whatever, you know, every day we're going to have things we don't like doing, but if we can be engaged in what we're doing, even if it's something we hate doing um, and engaged in it where we're not thinking about, you know, a hundred other things and checking our phone, checking social media, worrying about this and that, just engaged in that one thing at a time, even things you hate doing become sort of they bring you a bit of joy because your mind is present and you're not you know it's like it's liberating to just be able to stop thinking about things so it's i I think it's yeah it's so liberating so it's a great point um so we we finish up every episode with um these five questions so these are sort of can be short answers or yeah hopefully not gonna you know be anything too too crazy but um just whatever comes to mind for these um but before i go into that i think you you mentioned earlier but We'll put this in the show notes, but for if people want to learn more about you and what you're doing, uh, where can we send them? Yeah, um, I would say go to theclimateoptimist.com. That's my website where I've linked everything else I'm doing. Uh, please follow me on Instagram is where I'm mainly active and Therese Janeri, which is my name. Um, and I also have a podcast, Hey Change Podcast, which I hope you check out as well. If you want to learn more about climate change and environmentalism and cool innovators and people making change in the world head over to hate change podcast 
Perfect. And we will just again, we'll have all of the links for um, the different sites in um, in the show notes so if you for anyone listening that wants to access them. So final questions. Um, the first one of these five questions is uh, what is the best childhood memory that comes to mind or one of them? <laughs> oh, my God, you're going to think I'm such an eco nerd. But I had this tree um, on this plot of land right next to me. It was a beautiful tree and I used to climb up it and just sit in this tree until the sun came down. I love that for dinner. That's my, yeah, that's my memory. That's so good. I love it. I love it. Simple things like that. are That's what's good about, you know, child. And I think it's good because it reminds you like, I mean, I was in Vancouver recently and I was just sitting looking at a mountain and I just thought I had this thought where I was like, well, this is, this costs me nothing to do this. And it's bringing me more joy than any, you know, even if I became a billionaire, no amount of money, this is available to everyone right now. And it's just like making me feel so good. And just reminding ourselves of that, it's like all this stuff's there, you know, all the best things are there available to everyone. So I love that. I love that. Uh, what do you think is one of the biggest burdens on mental health in society um, at the moment? <laughs> this is a big question. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, biggest burden. I was, yeah. I think, comparison, which is only, you know, accelerated with social media, but we're always comparing ourselves to our peers and the next person and com- competing, even if it's just competing with ourselves, have, feeling we have to be someone or be somewhere and do something special, having more followers and more likes. And, oh, you know, we're wasting so much time and space there, like hating our bodies, hating ourselves, hating our hair, whatever it is. It's like we are divine beings in a beautiful world. And that's what we got to remember. I think it, I agree with you. I think that's probably the, the biggest one where it's just, it's never ending and it's taking us away from being able to experience and enjoy what's in front of us. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, do you see things in that area improving uh, or do you see a bit of both sort of? I think a bit of both. I mean, because of social media, it's getting worse and we are just more access to comparing ourselves, not to just to, you know, whoever's at school, but to like the whole world. Right. Um, you know, young yeah. people are being on TikTok. I'm, I'm an old person, so I'm yet to like get active there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so many ways to compare yourself and their filters and stuff. But I think also at the same time, we are seeing this movement of, you know, authenticity and transparency and rawness. And we are not just relating to fake people anymore. Um, we want to yeah. see, the celebrity behind the facade and we want to know people on a deeper level and from the fashion like where i'm the work i'm doing with role models you know being an agent and talking to casting directors and clients like almost every client these days every brand is looking for people with real stories you know they mm-hmm. want real mothers and real athletes and real you know mental health advocates like they want real people because people want real people those are the people yeah. that we can relate to. So I think we're seeing it, you know, going in both directions. Um, but I think it's again, back to self. What am I doing in this space? And how much am I hating myself for no reason? How much am I comparing myself to other people? And how much yeah. can I try to come back to just, you know, finding what's unique and beautiful about me? I love that answer. And yeah, completely agree with everything you said there. Uh, so two more questions here. Um, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness (laughs) the thing that comes to me stillness um 
and I guess I have to elaborate a little bit on that, but I just looked on out on this tree outside my window and the thing that came to me was almost like the tree was giving me this answer, but stillness. When I can find myself yeah. in stillness, I had this moment this morning where I pushed my morning walk 15 minutes because I was sitting outside with my coffee and listened to the birds. And I felt so much stillness in that moment. I didn't feel like I had to answer any emails. I didn't have to be anywhere or think anything or do anything. I just, I was just there. And when I find those pockets of stillness, that's when I'm my most happiest self. It's not yeah. when I'm out doing something really cool or attending some cool event in New York City. It's literally just in those small, simple moments when I find the true happiness. So yeah, I would say stillness. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we, when, when we're still like that, we don't have any capacity to worry about things. You just, you're there experiencing something and enjoying it for what it is. So I think it's, yeah. And that's what happiness is. It's, you know, peace of mind. It's not about stimulation or achieving things or needing to, you know, constantly do things. That's sort of um, just that stimulation. So it's about, yeah, how can I just be still and present and have that peace of mind? So, yeah. And that's really also good. true abundance. And we all have access to this. What you just said about everyone can, you know, take part of nature, um, which is not always true because if you live in a city and you can't go anywhere, that's harder. But we can all find that place of stillness within us we don't need money for that we don't need to go mm -hmm. anywhere we don't have to be invited to be there you know we all have access to our own source of happiness and i think that's a really powerful reminder yeah exactly exactly we can all find it within rather than having to you know search all these external avenues to try and to try and find something we already have access to uh so final one um what would you say is one of the most you've done many but what's one of the most courageous things you've ever done <laughs> You're going to laugh at me <laughs> because I'm, you know, I moved from Sweden and, you know, to a new city where I knew no one. And I started my own company and doing all these things. Um, yeah. Started a podcast in a language that is not my, you know, my primary language. But the scariest thing I've done is going on a runway as a model in heels because I hate heels. <laughs> I'm tall. <laughs> and so growing up, I was trying to avoid heels as much as I could. And then suddenly I decided to be a model and I didn't think about the fact that, okay, now they're going to put you on runway with heels on and having to walk out on that stage was <laughs> heartbeat moment <laughs> so that's probably one of my proudest moments honestly because I over overcame that fear um and yeah you know it's just it's a silly thing like who cares but I think it's just a reminder for anyone that we need to face our fears because we grow as people when we do um but yeah that's probably I would say that I love that I love that as no, it's a great finishing. And, and again, you know, facing fear, I talk about that so much and it's different for everyone. Something that one person's afraid of someone else might be able to do with their eyes closed and then, you know, vice versa. So it's like everyone has their own things that we're comfortable and uncomfortable with. And sometimes doing things, even if it's not something, you know, that we want to uh, pursue our lives doing long-term, it's more, more about, about let's, let's just move out, out of our comfort zone because that, that helps, helps you grow. grow and I think, yeah, yeah I, love I love that point. point. So, uh, I want to say to you, thank you so much for making the time to come and talk to me today. I think we could probably talk for a lot longer about all of these different things. There's so many different sort of topics to, to go into, but I love everything you said. I think it's really inspiring what you're doing. Your story is incredible. Uh, I know our listeners are going to take so much out of this. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. You've already helped me make a change in my mind about making sure I, I get cups when I go and um, get get actual, you know, not, not takeaway cups. Uh, when I get a coffee, that's my first thing I'm going to start doing. Um, but yeah, thank you again for coming in and talking about it.
Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything you're doing in this space, helping people with their mental health. Um, you're amazing. So, so honored to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Anne Therese Canari for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links through nickbrax.com and it's available in stores Australia-wide with the audio book recently released. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.